Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Joke by Misery Whip. They're a furious hardcore band out of Portland, Maine. That track comes off of their new EP scheduled to release February 9th. It was engineered by Chris Johnson from Deaf Heaven at New Alliance Audio and Electric Bunker Studio and was mastered by Zach Weeks at the famous God City Studio. You may have heard me talk about Misery Whip before. You may have seen them on a previous episode of the podcast. I can't remember if I've played them or not, but I probably should have if I hadn't. Anyway, I'm excited to hear their new EP, especially with everything that was indicated by that first single joke available now in the streaming platform of whatever your personal preference is. And again, a full EP that I'm not sure the name of drops on February 9th. That's next week. Speaking of bands with new records that are coming out in February, on this episode of the podcast, I've got an interview with Mike Schlebaum, guitarist of DC's Darkest Hour. They've got a new record called Perpetual Terminal coming out on Monarch Heavy. We'll talk all about that. But first, how about some Hot Zone? Check it! I barely remember a lot of events in my life. I'm not sure why that is. There could be a number of reasons, I suppose, but some moments have been embedded into my brain, at least whatever versions I recall. Who knows if they are accurate? One of the tricky things about memories happens to be 
the memorizing part. I vaguely remember an argument with a former bandmate and friend, but I vividly remember it was revolving around a past event we had experienced together. We were both 100% sure that our separate versions were true. We were also both drunk on both occasions, the argument and the memory, though he had a cocaine-covered key up his nostrils on most nights, though, so I was basically straight edge by comparison. Surely I was right. That's the way I remember it, at least. It's safe to say we probably fought each other that night. That happened from time to time. I'm certain I won every single time. Anyway, it's in that same city where those memories and arguments about them took place that I first saw the band Darkest Hour on stage. Maybe. I'm actually not sure where my first Darkest Hour show took place, but that's because I saw them so often in the early 2000s. Baltimore, Philly, D.C., here, there, and of course, everywhere. They had like a stunning live performance and were often playing alongside bands who didn't match or didn't even come close to matching their proficiency. The bands they were playing with were typically considered metalcore or hardcore and Darkest Hour always had a more straight up melodic death metal approach. A very timely sound, but one that they excelled at. I love their Hidden Hands of a Sadist Nation album. That came out officially in 2004, I guess. But I felt like I was seeing him play those songs earlier, and that would probably make sense, regardless of when that was released. The following year, they put out Undoing Ruin, which again delivered. And then two years later, followed up with Deliver Us. Admittedly, that's about where I fell off with Darkest Hour for a while. I went straight into the more traditional, heavy, straight up hardcore world and kind of left behind some stuff for a few years. Since then, of course, I've come to my senses and have gone back and learned to appreciate everything Darkest Hour has done. This year, February 23rd to be exact, Darkest Hour will return with their 10th official full-length album. It's called Perpetual Terminal. It's going to be released on Monarch Heavy. I had a conversation with guitarist and founder Mike Schliebaum about the record just at the tail end of 2023. I've been sitting on it since. Actually, you could have heard this much, much earlier, many weeks ago, courtesy of the Getting It Out Patreon. Just for $2 a month, you can listen to interviews weeks before I release them here on the main feed. It's an incredible deal. I suggest you sign up. Currently, there are interviews up there with Ghoul, Noel, and Count Nashi, and many more to come. They're always going to hit the Patreon first and for just $2 a month. It's a deal you can't afford to pass up. Anyway, speaking of memory, it's a little tough to recall everything Mike and I talked about as we talked over a month ago. But I thought with the band not releasing Perpetual Terminal until February 23rd, there's plenty of time to get you up to speed and properly prepared. I got to tell you, I'm happy to be back into the Darkest Hour fold. And I feel like if you got lost along the way, Perpetual Terminal is the best record for you to come back to and see what Darkest Hour is still doing and still excelling at. And one of the best examples I can provide for that is the title track, Perpetual Terminal. So why don't we listen to that and then get into my conversation with Mike Schliebaum.
I just one of the recent episodes I just did was with uh, Gut Instinct from Baltimore, talking yeah. you know just classic Baltimore hardcore. And I was like, wait, th- their current drummer is Darkest Hour's first drummer. Oh, Matt, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's a friend of mine? I knew Matt for uh, well, I've known Matt for a long time when I lived in Baltimore oh, for awesome. a while, and I thought uh, that's a pretty interesting connection there. Oh yeah, well, dude, it gives us a little cred, right? Matt, Matt, and Raul, who was our bass player, first bass player, they always gave us real hardcore cred, so it makes sense they would continue to do that. But when we were kids, they were like actually into hardcore and like had been to a lot more shows. They were a little older than me and John, but yeah, that was the original four of Darkest Hour. <laughs> so I I know I know Matt from living in Baltimore, like I said, and, and just going to shows down there. And I think honestly, I think one of the earliest shows that I went to in Baltimore. I'm from York, Pennsylvania, I live in Lancaster now. But uh, one of the earliest shows I went to in Baltimore was a Darkest Hour show. And I gotta say, I was still in high school, and I actually I could tell you the whole lineup. It was Darkest Hour, Life Once Lost. Every time oh, yeah. I die and converge at the, that at was the, the, auto, at the bar. auto bar. Yeah, yeah, that was a sick show, dude. <laughs> that should have been a tour. I remember, I remember that happening. That's funny. That's funny. And I think I think Matt might have been a bouncer there at the time, too. At least a lot. Almost everybody was. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's very, very likely. But uh, so I anyway, my point is that that's probably about the time where I was introduced to Darkest Hour, which I guess would be Hidden Hands. Uh, era maybe or oh, just before? Oh, wait, wait. What time, uh, when we were uh, life once lost? Um, yeah, it would have been right. Well, man, I don't know. Maybe on doing ruin because uh, life once lost was on the deliver us record release tour with Himsa. Do mm-hmm. see how I remember? How do I even remember this? <laughs> Who knows? I do know that uh, it was with Himsa. Life once lost. Oh man, I forget the other. But Dead to Fall was on part of that. So, so it would have been like before that, because the show you're talking about was like a, just a strange convergence of everybody being on tour at one time. And then the auto bar just booked this mega awesome show with these bands, you know, but it, we had never really, you know, played with those, like every time I die, we did one-offs with a life once lost. We did, you know, we always kind of did one-offs with all those bands, but not mm-hmm. really tours, but eventually we, we toured with everyone. Yeah, well, yeah. back then I felt like I was seeing you guys everywhere with everybody, and that was one of the things that I've always really appreciated about Darkest Hour. Is I, I remember specifically, I think it was a tour, a show at the Trocadero in Philly. It was you guys, the Haunted, Shyhalud, and oh, man, Cataclysm. That tour. Yeah, dude, uh, yeah. that tour was sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and then that that tour we really wanted to do the whole tour, but I remember Bleeding Through got part of it, so we did half of that tour. But man, the haunted were they were on fire at that time, man. Yeah, so I don't know if that was getting me to do it. I, that was the that uh, was all right. So, so this is like the point is this is a long time ago, right? Yeah, twenty years, twenty years ago. Yeah, we least. could we could keep going, to, you know what I mean? You're just <laughs> and and so just this is to me to to show you and to talk about how long Darkest Hour has been around, right? Because now, oh, yeah, you got your tenth album. I think it's your tenth. Our tenth our thirtieth anniversary, man. We could like <laughs> film a whole two DVD box set of the history of this shit, man. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So t- tell me about this. This is uh, this is Perpetual Terminal is going to be your tenth album. It's coming out 
February, I think. February 23rd. Yep. 22324. Easy to remember. I shot I was shooting for 22424, but it's a weekend or something. So yeah, I'm you awesome. gotta gotta do it on a Friday. <laughs> anyway, you'll you all remember that. But yeah, it's coming out next year. And it is our 10th album for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? is makes this record stick out to you from the rest of the darkest hour of discography. Okay. Um, well, one thing that is interesting about this record is that it took a lot longer in between this record and any other darkest hour record before. Yes. Yeah, seven years. That's the longest gap, yep. right? Now we, you know, we, we like, it's really easy to blame COVID because that's really part of what happened with that much time. But also there was a moment I think creatively, for sure, when we were done making our last record, Godless Prophets, where we felt like, okay, we've made the best possible Darkest Hour record ever. We did it with Kurt, did exactly what we wanted to do, came full circle from some of the chances we tried and other records and blah, 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 blah. Maybe we don't make full records anymore. Maybe we do singles. Maybe we do songs around tours. Maybe we, you know, everybody says whatever, right? So then, um, you know, that we, we, we basically were like, I don't know if we need to make albums. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, post mid pandemic moving forward where we made the conscious decision that like, yeah, we still want to do this. And yeah, people like our people like records. We're a record band. We, we need to make a record, not just whatever. And. I mean, I, I've been telling this story a lot on interviews, so I, I'll just jump ahead a little bit. Like, um, you said, like, what makes it different? Well, we we had been writing, but we went on tour to do a retrospective of Deliver Us, our our like second album we did with Devin Towns, and it turned uh, some anniversary. So, kind of after the pandemic, we were writing, we were doing whatever. We we're like, man, we want to like go on tour. That's what we like live to do. Now you're saying we have to wait make a whole new album or something to go on tour. Like, nah, like here's an anniversary. And once we did that, we connected with like all these people who really love the band deeply enough that they love this fucking one record, you know, like, and just seeing how much people like that record, the other record that we didn't pull like under ruin and how them, you know, and just kind of like feeling that energy. We were like, you know, we need to like make an album and do the shit that we always did before. Like, forget all the new school ideas. Like, we'll self-fund it. You know, we had started this Patreon. It's a website where uh, we kind of like, we're doing sort of like fan club stuff. We were giving away cool exclusive items. And we were like, uh, you know, uh, giving people, we made a live stream and we made a record and we sent everybody a record, stuff like that. Turned it into a record club. Eventually we were like, man... <laughs> we could just fund the next record with this, put it out. Like, let's just produce it ourselves. Let's just release it ourselves. Like fuck everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then <laughs> thanks to the hardworking, good people of Patreon who hooked it up, we were able to fund like the beginning of like, okay. And we had crowdfunded our last record and then licensed it to a label. So the whole idea of like, getting the funding on the internet and giving people a record like that. That's not that weird does. We've done it before. We've done lots of things like that. We're good at the, like the DIY mechanics of getting stuff to people. You know what I mean? So, uh, we were kind of like inspired to do that. But then as we got into doing that and, and into doing the Patreon in, into writing the record, 
we realized that if we were going to do one, we needed to sort of pair up with someone that could really like give the album the attention it needed because we don't, we can't do that. We just can't do everything. So we picked uh, MNRK because we knew them from the people there from a, a past release we did. And we knew where they were coming from, where they were about and knew they could fill in the blanks for us. Like they can, could like present Darkest Hour out there in the world in a way where uh, other you know, people who love metal who maybe haven't given a chance or haven't heard about it would check it out, you know, cause we have a bubble. So to come full circle to the end of your question, it's like you have um, an album that took a lot longer in between everything to write one that sort of like then like snowballed immediately once there was energy. And so in some ways it feels a lot like our first record because like we had so much time before the first record, we had all these ideas riffs i'm talking about the first full length we had had obviously the eps with matt um but we had a lot of time to test out what was working before we made a full length record and i think this time we had a lot of time to do that we were left alone you know what i mean which is also a first we don't have a label telling us what to do we only had the energy of people who wanted a record and when we went and hired the person to record the record we told them straight up, like, we are producing this. You know, you're not the producer. So we don't want that feedback that you think that you want, you know, record this shit. Me and John and the other guys, we're going to fucking make all the decisions over here. We're going to argue it out. We're adults. You know what I mean? And we're going to make the art that we want to make this time. Or what's the fucking point? You know, and I know that seems weird, but our band's like a sponge. In the past, we're on a label. We're with a producer. We like take input. And I think that's part of the fun thing about making records with talented people like Devin Townsend, Brian McTurnan, Frederick Nordstrom, Taylor Larson, Peter Witchers. I mean, the list, you know, uh, Kurt Ballou. It's like, that's a lot of fucking talent. Of course, you take their opinion, opinions, right. you know. But we're just at a point, we're at a point now where, man, we we want know what we want to make and we know how much of sacrifice we make to do this, to breathe life into this. So it's like, now nah, we're done. It's album 10. This is our turn, you know? So I think a lot of those circumstances are different than any other Darkest Hour album before this, at least. Yeah, that's interesting. And the did, with that, I mean, did it even matter then who was sitting in that chair? Oh, yeah. This? Oh, Fuck yeah. Oh, he, he probably, um, I just as much as any other time. Okay. Because, you know, we had to, okay. We had to go figure out who do we know that is a going to stay the fuck out of the way, but B going to make the best fucking possible sounding record. Because even though we all like to think we're little armchair producers, like we are not well equipped to make by ourselves an album that stands up to the albums that we have made in the past. You spend lots of money to record with all that talent. Now you've set the bar really high, right? Mm -hmm. So we, 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 you know, had an internal meditation. And I have to be honest, like I had a lot of ideas. I was throwing out the band. I had people coming to the shows when we were playing. <laughs> I had guys, John, getting on phone, on the phone with people. And the band unanimous, unanimously kept coming back to, we want to work with Taylor Larson the dude who did the Darkest Hour self-titled record right here in Maryland. 
uh, because that record was embattled. You know, we did it with Sumerian Records and with Taylor. He produced it. Sumerian executive produced it. There was a lot of fucking feedback. We made 14 songs. That's the most album, the most songs we made on any album. We took some songs to radio. We did shit we'd never tried. And that was the point of it, you know? Well, I know that Taylor never felt like he got his shot to do what he wanted to do because that was a lot of cooks in that kitchen. So when the band just kept saying, dude, we need to do it with Taylor, I knew like the way that every producer feels after working with us, which is like, yeah, that was cool, but not again. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I had to reconnect with them and right away he had the same vibe, which was like, yes. I fucking want, I need to, I want to prove that I can make the best Darkest Hour album and it can be a great experience and you guys can love it and blah, 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 everything that felt hard on the last, you know, and uh, just right away when he had that sort of like vindictive urgency, you know, like almost just like hunger, like he had to fucking prove something. When someone that talented feels like they have to prove something, it's like a good place to be, a good energy to be around, you know, and it fueled a lot. So I really think he was the perfect person to be there because he has John's complete faith. So they get in there and I think this is John's record as far as like the way it sounds, like the vocals are amazing and he has a great chemistry with Taylor. So, you know, I mean, honestly, like me and Taylor, we don't always get along about stuff, but I really respect that he he got back in the fucking ring, you know, with us and, and fucking brought it hard and was super and is super smart and was super positive making the record. And it was a good team. You know what I mean? Right. And it took a lot longer than we wanted. You know what I mean? And, but that could have been a whole lot of circumstances, but in the end, I do think he was the right person. I think it was important. You know, I was really in tune with what darkest hour was doing back back when right 20 years ago and then i think i think on undoing ruin for sure is still in and then i think i just lost track of you for a while you know just whatever getting involved and i don't know in and out in and out, in and out but i do remember checking in on the on the self-title one and i was honestly trying to think about this earlier today or yesterday or whatever it was was that a poorly received record like in the no, general sense? No, I, I mean, no, we went on the Monster Energy Drink Mayhem Festival with Body <laughs> Count, Slipknot. Oh, no, Body Count, Cannibal Corpse, Corn, Avenged Sevenfold. I mean, dude, we went all the around. We went on like, I don't know if it was like 200 shows of Machine Head, you yeah. know? Well, I mean, that's like, why I'm asking because it, like, it sounds like uh, you guys wanted to prove something based off of that. And I, I'm, I'm not uh, well, I'm just trying to connect that. I, no, I think I think the thing with that record is that it was just that record out of all of the previous records really broke the mold open of what a Darkest Hour song is. Right. OK. And I think in, in it helped and it hurt in two ways, like or, or each in one way. It helped. It helped because it helped us figure out that we could be a lot of other things other than the thrash uh, band and especially John and especially like Travis, you know, our drummer, like that there was room to really expand what a darkest hour was song. And I think it also hurt because I think once you destroy the idea of like, all right, well, what is a darkest hour song really? Right. It could be anything. Well, then, then it ceases to really be nothing. Then it is nothing. It can be anything. Then, it, you know, it has to be not something to be 
something kind of. So then I think it's not like, I think we wanted to reassert our identity a little bit and our control. So that's why you got Godless Prophets. Like a suit, that was a, definitely a creative reaction to self to self-titled. But this album is so far removed from self-titled that I, I don't think that that past lingers as much. This album also isn't doesn't need to be a reaction to Godless Prophets. In fact, I think another thing that's a big difference between this album and all of the previous Darkest Hour albums is the other ones are clearly reactions to each other creatively. Okay? Like, clearly. So much so that when you look at self-titled and Godless Prophets, you know, it's like, whoa. Whereas, like, um, when you, if you look at the Human Romance in self-titled, which is the one that comes in between the Eternal Return, which is the one right before Deliver Us, which is where you probably checked out, like, those kind of all make sense, you know? Right. So I think, <clears throat> I think, well, the only reason I bring up self-titled in that way is because I want people to understand that even though he was highly instrumental in the making of the self-titled record, Taylor, that that, I don't think that exists. Like, there's no, this is not self-titled part two, nor is it a reaction. This is like, in our opinion, sort of like, an album that sits a little bit outside of the discography because it's kind of like sums up everything into like uh, a we're over here now kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't think, and I got to tell you, like we, we are in tune with our people who have been our longest, you know, really most energized like fans, if you want to call them that. I mean, they're friends to us and, or they're just people that really enjoy art we make, but you know, fans regardless people that really care about this band and seem to be into it, they seem to be really into this idea of we're here now because mm -hmm. as much as we can champion the past records and stuff, people love to see music that's created in the now by the people that are right there kind of thing. And so I think it's a happy, uh, you know, a good place to be, to be able to start the fertile ground for this record, so to speak, because you have a welcomeness from our fans. It's like, Hey, we haven't heard anything in so long. It can be a melodic song. It can be a heavy song. It just needs to be a darkest hour song. You know what I mean? Right. And in the past, the albums were coming out kind of so fast that I think the boomerang effect didn't happen as, as clearly. I understand what you're saying. Um, and the, but I also understand what you're saying about there, there can be a melodic song, a heavy song. And there's a lot of that, all those things on perpetual, perpetual terminal songs aren't even close to sounding the same from, from one to another. And, but it all sounds like darkest hour. Right. And that's, and I don't know about you, but that's what I've come to enjoy about a band who's been around a long time, like yourselves is stepping outside or just doing something fucking different. Cause I love when bands do, you know, have their sound, but I, I love hearing them now. And I don't know if it's just something like, you know, I've learned to appreciate more just doing something slightly different. And, and in this case, I feel like it's all the things I've heard you guys do before, but, but all put together in a, in a real cohesive way. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we were going for in a sense. Of Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Like, first of all, here's what's weird. Modern metal is wild. You know what I mean? Like, shit, shit is fucking crazy, man. Like, but not to date myself, but I was just hanging out with Exodus. So like back in the day, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Music metal (laughs) was one way. And there was a lot of opinions about how it was. Now modern metal is pretty open. Like most people who love metal music, in my opinion, regardless whether they're like devotee of old school thrash or whether they're like into degent or they're, whether they're into like, you know, uh, new, you know, prog metal, whatever. Mm. They just like honest stuff. Like it be what you say you are and be that band. Like darkest hour is to a lot of people like a metalcore band and that's a bad thing or it's a good thing. But either way, like the music that we're playing now is basically heavy metal. Like you can call it metalcore or you can call it heavy metal whatever right and and i saw enslaved like an enslaved video where the guy had an acoustic guitar and he's singing and then everybody's rocking the blast beats it's like the rules are gone so like that we have existed entire time of this fucking tidal wave you know Mm -hmm. heavy metal before the internet to where we're at now and so i think given that i feel like it's possible that like modern metal has finally caught up to us where we can just like be ourselves and just fit right in. And the band's had enough scars. The band's been through enough shit that people just respect it enough to listen, to pay attention now. And I think when you combine those things, especially in the heavy metal or metal genre, it just, it just becomes like, if you like satanic black and death metal, you like behemoth. That's what it is. You know what I mean? And this is darkest hour. It's metalcore. I mean, maybe you don't love metalcore, but this is what it is. And it's honest and it's a real band. And it's like not just one person writing the songs, but a whole bunch of people being collaborative and a bunch of people pushing back and a bunch of talent in there and a bunch of, and then that's how you get something magical. So I think that people will react to it. And it, and it is kind of, I mean, and kind of all over a place in the sense that it's not all thrash songs, not all melodic songs, but that's what modern metal is. It is all over the place, you know, and this album is just, we wanted it to be, to feel like both nostalgic, like, Oh yeah, I love Mm -hmm. darkest hour, but also of the now. So it can exist on its own because like, it wouldn't be fair to this album. It wouldn't be fair to these songs. Wouldn't even be fair to us as a band to try to exist in the shadow of what we're trying to do before. You know what I mean? So this has to just feel like it fits, but it also has to be of where it is now. And I think that is speaks to why the album is where it is creatively. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. You mentioned being a metalcore band. And despite the fact that I always saw you guys with metalcore bands, I never considered Darkest Hour to be that for summer. Maybe it was because you never had like the big, obnoxious, really, obvious we, breakdown parts. Like, yeah, we are on the we're on the outside. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we get into this whole genre. Of, well, that's what I was kind of getting ask. to. Has has everybody have you guys doesn't. have you guys fallen into a gray area over the years that kind of I don't I know. Mean, has it been ab- like beneficiary absolutely, or? Absolutely yes to both. Check it out. We just went on a tour that was Skull Death Metal Pioneers Undeath. I mean, just slam death metal. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they're not totally slam, partially slam. They'll tell you they get the rule book. That's how slam metal they are. <laughs> then you have fucking thrash metal pioneers Exodus. We're talking big four status, right? Mm-hmm. Old school shit. Then you have fit for an autopsy, basically futurism, death tech metal, you know, uh, and you, and you have darkest hour sandwich in the middle of all of it. And we fit right in, you know what I mean? It was perfect for us. It was, a, it was one of the best stories we've done in a long time. And it just proves like we kind of like ride on that edge. You know what I mean? We like everybody who loves skull death metal occasionally takes a break. Everybody who loves old school thrash gets through all the albums and wants to check something else, you know, and, we are a modern band, so we fit right in with Fit for an Autopsy. And I think this is the advantage that we have having toured on so many different style bills over so many different years. You know what I mean? We have been on both Warp Tour and OzFest and everything in the middle. So I think that we're, we're that band. But when you see us play, it's definitely like clearly a heavy metal concert. Lights, backdrops whammy bars mosh pits so it's like it, it, it even though it has a sense fits in everywhere it's also also kind of clearly what it is you know yeah yeah and it's I, I think it's always been fun i've i've always i've always appreciated like the i mean it sounds kind of corny or maybe generic but the 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 energy of a darkest hour show like you guys get up there and truly go for it which is and and it's not just the singer that's all that's always no. been important about watching you guys is it's not just the singer. Well, you know, a good from old time. Those, but you know, from going to see, you know, Darkest Hour and Every Time I Die and The Life Was Lost at the Auto Bar, like that scene, that that world of like early 90s metal hardcore convergence that we were from, you know, like the bands that uh, when we were talking about Matt and Raul, our earliest members, like, well, when this band first formed, we were going to straight edge hardcore, you know, vegan you know, matinees and people were going fucking ape shit. Like gotta bring the prices, energy. <laughs> snap case, integrity, like um, all, all these bands. And even the, the DC hardcore band battery, one of my favorite bands, mm-hmm. you know, they like damnation AD, another DC band, all these bands, people moved, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it was not, it was, it wasn't even something like that. Anyone taught me or anyone talked about, you know, I mean, I, I grew up loving like ACDC, which makes sense. Like Angus Young was around and shit, but I'm not talking about choreographed shit. I'm not talking about one guy. I'm talking about the way that like, you know, uh, Gorilla Biscuits moves when the song hits in, you know what I mean? Or Unbroken, you know what I mean? Or just like everything in the middle, you know, and that's where we're from. So it's never seemed that weird. And it's always really been a great part of the show, but also over the years, we have learned that, like, you know, you also have to do, like, play a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So we have been working on making them all work together. You know what I mean? And so hopefully, because playing the show well and having it sound good and having things be played, you know, really consistently is something we're all really about now, which maybe in the past we were a little bit more about like throwing the instruments at people. But either way, <laughs> the, the energy still exists because we still like love that about a live show, you know? And that's another reason why we're able to fit in with such energetic un- younger or also, you know, you know, younger bands like Undeath and Fit for Notsopsy and all and energetic older bands like Exodus. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Darkest Hour, interestingly, for not really ever having a solid genre, has any trouble fitting in everywhere else. I mean, we, we kind of just went over that. And that's, no, no that's sometimes cool we're thing. like, we're just heavy metal, dude. That's that's what I would call it. But I also feel like you guys as a band have kind of been disregarded by a certain level of metal fan, a certain... Like, uh, I don't know, like, like it's like darkest hour is less than like, it it doesn't, doesn't apply to this most extreme corners. And I don't get it. I I really don't understand. Well, because the problem is that when you, you know, you can't appeal to everybody, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so when you do ride on that edge, you're rubbing up against a lot of people that have a lot of opinions. And so like, you're not gonna always find every skull metal enthusiast, you know, but I also think some of the records are in different, were in different places. Like if, if we were putting out the self-titled record or human romance record right now, uh, you know, there might be people that don't gravitate to where we're at. But I think that the unique thing about where the band is now is that we, we are in the place where we, we are not scared. And these people that you're talking about are finally mm-hmm. checking out what's going on because we've survived. So right. I think that, you know, I we haven't given up on the the greater echelon of the metal world because let's be honest, like you know, we don't Darkest Hour doesn't have all the metal fans in the world, so something must be going on. We've done a lot, so we yeah. haven't hit every shot we've taken, you know. And so I think it's just about evolution, and I think being in a band is all about growing and learning from how you do and don't connect, and how albums do find their way to people's lives and how sometimes they don't and what to do to try to just keep get to where you want to go, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, I think this album is going to help open up some of those, some of those minds. Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe it closes some, who the fuck knows? Well, I don't, fuck really... them. Who, I don't <laughs> care. Cause you know what? Enough people's minds are open that shit's working. You right. know, the last four is amazing. And all we care about is being able to survive and make this band be a band and everybody in it contribute to it and have it grow into something that's memorable. And so that shit's happening. So really we're at where we, we want to be right now. And, and we haven't even been able to share all the awesome music with the world yet. So once that happens on February 23rd, y'all hit me up. You know what I mean? <laughs> For sure. Hey, I just realized something. Um, the title of the record, why well, I, I knew this, but I just figured out how to do it. <laughs> Like a second ago, I just did it on my keyboard just now. Oh, the line, the line, the why the a line. line and not a slash or uh, an ampersand man, or what? Like I literally, I'm telling you, I just as we were talking, I looked at um, my keyboard and like, like, oh, it's why, there. You know, I'm trying to think of like when the line came into it, but like basically, like what happened was we're writing lyrics, writing lyrics, and 
this album was like I was really on John to be like, man, this you need to this shit needs to be about some shit. People have been through some shit. Everybody's been through shit. Like you can't be just writing about like some metaphorical bat or some shit. Like you got to write about something. And you uh, mentioned my other band, uh, Be Well, earlier. Like the lyrics are pretty powerful in that band, and uh, something that's, that that's, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about all the time. And so, it, you know, it was just definitely something on my mind. Like, yo, we got to make this about something. What is it about? Now, I know from John's perspective, as somebody who's like given his personal misery and angst to the band for almost three decades and written about every awful thing that he's done or has happened to him and blah, 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 blah. Digging in there at, you know, where we're at now just does not seem like fun, man. You know what I mean? And so also he's in a place where he's like a little bit more happier for dude than he has been in the past, you know? So it's like, why, why who wants to hear about that? Yeah. So we're, we're in there and we're writing lyrics and, uh, uh, we were doing a thing where I had written a bunch of lyrics and he had written a bunch of lyrics and we were trying to, you know, he hates to use my words. Trust me. He only wants to use his shit, but occasionally I do have some fucking good ideas. And, but I, I'm also like hard band member to be with if you're a lyricist, cause I'm going to have opinions. So we're kind of like really going back and forth about the album title and whatever, you know? And, and then after a while I was like, look, man, I've looked through all these lyrics. Okay. And the only thing that seems like an album title is this part right here, perpetual terminal where you, you know, where you say it that one time, you know? And then he's like, well, yeah, he's like, I was thinking that too, you know? And I'm like, man, you should say it. You should just say it more in the song because that should be the name of the song. And he's like, yeah, well, we should just do it all to the end. I'm like, yeah, it's like, well, this is like, you know, the, the whole reason those words even exist is because all this free writing, all this lyric writing, the whole theme of the album, it just started to really like, at first we thought it was going to be about like rebirth maybe, and then we thought, no, this album, this album's about like survival, man. You know, everything's about survival. This is about, this is about the struggle of what, what everything's cost to get here. And also what, what is life worth kind of thing and blah, blah, blah. But then as we're writing it more, we're like, mm, but this is also like, it's also about more like, this is about like, you know, the idea that, well, we, we want to survive like as a band, you know, we're fucking darkest hour. We've been doing this for 30 years. Like, let's just use the band as a metaphor. Although it works for a lot of other things, but closely this works, right? You want the band to survive. We want to be a band still. We've been through so much fucking bullshit, but man, for us to get like good or better or anything that's impactful to get outside of our stupid little bub bubble, man, we sort of need to like, dismantle what the fuck's going on here and fucking make something good and really like, you know, break this down. And then we started to realize that like, you know, it's about the struggle between trying to survive and also trying to reinvent yourself all at the same time, you know, and embracing that, like the struggle of this insanity of this band, that is constant. That is perpetual. You know what I mean? Like, we no matter what we've seen it happen just over and over again once we accept it we're inside of it now we're like happy inside the stupidity like we are happy stranded at a flying j truck stop 
chilling the fuck out because the bus broke down, blah, 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 blah. Because everybody fucking knew it's just going to be fucked up anyway at some point. Oh, it's my day to fucking make paper airplanes. Here we go. You know what I mean? And then we also realized that like every good thing that's ever happened to us as a band ends real fast. You know, (laughs) in fact, like anything good does end and life ends, you know, and that's the only thing that gives it any real value though, is that, you know, that it's going to be over just like a badass party is awesome because when it's over, you feel that feeling of it not happening, you know, too much of a good thing. is not a good thing. The Chinese proverb, you know, kind of thing. So really that the, those were the whole theme of the album. That's why those words were spinning around. And we're like, that's the name of the album. You know, we're writing it down. We're looking at it. And I don't know. Eventually it's like, man, we want people to know that it's not the perpetual terminal. It's the two things, man. It's just, we want you to think about the two ideas. What is the perpetual? What is the terminal? Not what is the perpetual terminal? And so we thought visually should be separated, you know, and instead of putting a slash one way or the other, which kind of like, what is that going to say creatively? The line just lets you know, man, it's one, it's the other. It's both. You know what I mean? I love it. I love that there's that much thought into a line. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you kidding me? That line is full of shit, man. That it's, line fucks up all the algorithms. Yeah. But you gotta put the line in it. I'll put in the line in it on the set list. The line is not in the Spotify title because it's the, they won't allow that line in code. Really? That's <laughs> Then I asked one of my oldest fucking DC punk friends who I trust the most to give me the ultimate DC punk authority on the opinion and i'm like so do i just say fuck it who needs the line because i want it to be of the now and of the future or do i say like i want the line fuck you spotify like i don't care if that title and they were like no you can't let the algorithm dictate what your wordage your vert you know your lettering everything you know your your song title so then i was like fine we're putting the line in and the label hated it and so (laughs) everyone hates the line line but me and John. Well, I, I like the line a lot more now, especially that in okay. the, not only that, Perfect. not only that you explained it to me, but in this process, I also learned how to type it. That this is, this is big. This is a, this is a big Yo, it's right under the, it's right under the delete button, man. Yeah, I know, but you got to shift. It's, oh God. <laughs> so, who, <laughs> Dude, where are we now? Yeah. It's, it changes. It's things. also it's, on your phone though. Is it? Just it's a, a secondary, yeah. it's a, it's a secondary, uh, typing skill. I'm going to say, hey, man. <laughs> well, All this, right. this album's meant to be listened to and it's meant to be typed with patience. <laughs> and it will be from here on out. All right. I got to get back to work, but before I do that, I want to ask you what you are most excited about for the release of this record. I am most excited to take this shit to the streets for real. Like, let's fucking go. Like, let's go. We got a team of people that are behind us, you know, a road crew that have been doing this shit for way too long. A band that is like, all we do is music. A lifestyle that has bent over backwards to allow us at this age to even be able to fucking do this. We've made all the sacrifices. This is what we are meant to do, man. We're meant to go out there and, and, uh, and rock and prove we can entertain motherfuckers. And that's what this album is about too. Like it wasn't just about making a badass soundtrack for your workout. It's also about making some awesome songs for a darkest hour set. So you can feel it live, you know? And so I think 
I'm most excited for the tour we have coming up, which we haven't announced. And, uh, you know, taking it to the streets. Because I know eventually we'll have to go back to fucking riding in our pajama pants, you know, to make the next record. And I just want to enjoy it while I can. You know, I'll be seeing you in the streets real soon. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Mike Schliebaum of Darkest Hour. The song you just heard was Societal Bile. That's off of their 10th album, Perpetual Terminal, released February 23rd, courtesy of Monarch Heavy. Then they'll be heading out on a headline tour starting February 29th. Along for the ride will be Mouth of War, Filth is Eternal, I Am, and Somnori. That's a good lineup. I had to pause there to take that in. Several bands of which I've had on Getting It Out podcast in the past. I am Somnori, Darkest Hour, gladly would have Mouth of War and Filth is Eternal as well. Maybe that time will come. Maybe it won't. 
But certainly you should go catch that. They're hitting most of the United States and even a little bit of Canada. So we call that a North American tour, though rarely does that include any Mexican dates. And I don't see any on this routing. So that's what it is. Anyway, I want to thank Mike for his time and for his contributions to my record collection. I love Darkest Hour. And you know what I think I love even more? It's his other band, Be Well. They've got a new record in the can from what I can see thanks to social media. So looking forward to that. But we got a lot of time until then. So I'm going to sit back for now and enjoy this new Darkest Hour record. You're going to have to wait a couple more weeks, February 23rd, Monarch Heavy. But when it drops, soak it in. Or simply go enjoy the singles, now the title track and Societal Bile, which you just heard. And while I'm giving out thank yous, thank you to you for tuning in, for listening this far. Thank you as well to anybody who tuned in and listened to the premiere episode of gettingitout.net's Punks and Dunks. It's where I talk about basketball. You'll notice I didn't talk about sports on this episode. And if you didn't, I'll be sure to point it out every time. I'll try to keep my sports content separate and leave it for people that want to hear it or talk about it with me. For now, Punks and Dunks is going to be right here on the Getting It Out podcast feed. And it might stay there forever. I don't know. We'll see how this thing goes. Much like Getting It Out podcast, I'm going to let that thing evolve naturally. So if you want to check that out, if you want to see what it's all about, just look right below this episode. It should be there. I'll remind you again that you can join the Patreon for just $2 a month to get early ad-free access to all interviews. And this week, I just created a Getting It Out patrons-only playlist. It's where all the members, myself included, of the Getting It Out Patreon can suggest each other albums on a Spotify playlist. And it seems like a fun idea. I'm not sure if it's going to work, but I'm trying anyway. All right, enough. That's it for this one. I'm going to play you a track, as I always do, to end this thing. It's from a Norwegian death thrash band that released an album just a couple weeks ago called Altered Realities. The band is Sovereign. You might have seen me cover them on gettingitout.net. I had them as part of the new Around Here column, and I think I had them as the featured band in the week's new releases when they put one out. If I did or didn't, regardless, I'm playing you a track now. And I'm playing you this band because I love this new album. It's available everywhere on Dark Descent Records. Again, it's called Altered Realities from Norway's Sovereign. This track is called Countertech. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.